Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for all the info about your favorite fictional universes you need to know. Despite the goatee, this is not the darkest timeline. I am filling in for our usual host, Matthew Carroll, as he takes care of some personal business. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair, and we are joined, as always, by the illustrious Haley Hobbs. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for calling me illustrious. Of course. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. As well as Jay Sisson. What's going on, Jay? You know, I'd, I'm kind of slighted that you didn't call me illustrious either or some <laughs> other like really big adjective, but I'm doing well, despite that. I, I apologize. <laughs> You're extremely illustrious, Jay. There we go. Yes. There, there we go. W- words can't do justice to how illustrious you are. How about that? <laughs> okay, now it's a little much. Okay. <laughs> back off, back off. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair enough. All right, well. We have a slew of news to talk about, so let's just get right into it. We had Star Wars Celebration wrap up in London, and oh man, have they been dropping amazing news. We're going to start covering the major highlights that have been released as the majority of our coverage on today's show, with three movies having been announced. Uh, First of which is James Mangold, director of the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny movie, is set to direct a film he calls a biblical epic that would explore the origins of the Force and is set 25,000 years before any existing Star Wars timelines. What do we think of ancient Star Wars? So I think this is absolutely fascinating. This this film or the idea of this film caught me in a different way than all the others because the rules of the Jedi and just in general, like how does someone become a Jedi and their power in the Force, that has always been this weird thing in Star Wars that doesn't really necessarily agree between the films and the animated stuff. And it's, it's kind of, sometimes these films will disagree with each other on, is it hereditary or is the force like, why is it stronger with some people than others? Or how does someone harness these abilities and what is the force? And do the Jedi have this kind of like a uh, connection to the force that other people don't have or whatever. And Ryan Johnson took a swing at the plate in The Last Jedi at explaining the Force, and to me, that was one of the most compelling parts of that movie was just the description and of the Force and how it works and the idea of, of Luke talking about how the Jedi were vain for trying to harness the power of it and Rey kind of struggling with it and, and all that, but then... All of that was completely written away in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it, the Last Jedi ends with, "Hey, Ray, you know you're you're this described as a nobody, but you uh, ha- are super strong in the Force." But in the Rise of Skywalker, oh, actually, you're the granddaughter of the most powerful, you know, Sith Lord ever, or whatever, and that explains it. So, this disconjointed feel of what the Force is, this film to me has that opportunity of finally trying to get all of these timelines to agree on these central questions, these core questions of like, what is the force? And uh, if it can nail that, then I'm all in on it. Yeah. They're doing something cool with this Dawn of the Jedi kind of feel. And I think that the force, like most things we talk about in real life is lots of different things to different people. And I think that's kind of where you're coming from, Jay, that it doesn't have to be this one thing. And they, I think, have been exploring that a lot in the High Republic series, if you've read that at all or, you know, caught any of those things. Um, And so I think for that reason, too, it's going to be really cool. And a biblical epic Star Wars sounds pretty (laughs) Star Wars-y to me. For me, I really feel like Star Wars has been hitting its stride when it really expands the universe. So to hear that it's going to be set so far before anything we've ever seen in Star Wars before bodes well for me. 
Star Wars has this tendency. It's such a big, massive galaxy, but we keep focusing on the same characters and the same connections that it makes it feel really small. So I agree with everything that's been brought up. I, I really am curious to see what James Mangold's take on the origins of the Force will be. But I really think James, James Mangold's involvement is what really gets me the most excited. He's got an incredible body of work. He seems to be able to toe that line between being an auteur, but also respecting the source material like we saw with Logan. And then uh, even 310 to Yuma was a remake, but really compelling characters. I'm excited to see what he does with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but it looks really good to me. So uh, I'm all in on this one. All right. And moving on, the next film we had announced uh, comes from uh, to us from Charmaine Obey Chinoy is helm to direct Daisy Ridley returning to her role as Rey Skywalker as she rebuilds the Jedi Order. This movie is set to be 15 years after the events of The Rise of Skywalker. Reactions have been mixed. What is ours? Uh, my initial reaction is, what's the title going to be? Because if they don't call it The <laughs> Return of the Jedi, they are totally <laughs> dropping the ball there. I'm sorry. Boo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> uh, no. I, uh, I'm excited for this one as well. I thought Daisy Ridley was one of the best parts of this sequel trilogy that we got. So. I'm not as familiar with Charmaine Obeya Chinoy's work. I know she directed a couple of episodes of Miss Marvel. But uh, yeah, once again, exploring a part of the Star Wars universe that we have not yet seen and taking a character like Rey and kind of having a chance to redeem her after, Jay, what you mentioned with you know the rise of Skywalker there. It's a good opportunity to move forward with the character and forward with the franchise. So I don't have too many thoughts until we learn more about it, but uh, I do like Ray as a character and I'm excited to see more of Daisy Ridley. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Star Wars fans can be a little finicky when it comes to their films (laughs) and uh, a good example of that are the prequels right like everyone hated the prequels when they first came out but now everybody loves the prequels because you know a lot of us saw them when we were young and there's a nostalgia attached to it and i think the sequel trilogy while at least to me i i don't feel like it stuck the landing i think it will age well because star wars does have just this unique power to age well whether it's earned it or not it has a unique power to age well. And so I think Ray is, she was to me the best part of the sequel trilogy. I want to see more from that character. The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker were extremely disjointed. And I mm. think this gives an opportunity for that character to resolve some of that disconnection between those two movies and try to move forward with that character in a way. Uh, that feels more complete. So I want more from that character and I'm looking forward to that story continuing. I like the rise of Skywalker. So nobody come at me. Um, I understand why people have issues with it. I do trust me. But the neat thing about the rise of Skywalker is at the end, Ray does really choose her own path. She buries the lightsabers of Luke and Leia. She walks away from what she was tying herself to. She makes her own lightsaber of something that was distinctly hers. And mm-hmm. so I think now we get to have a movie that's distinctly hers. And I'm mm. very excited to see what that's going to look like and who else are we going to get back from the sequel trilogies that we really liked. Will we get some John Boyega returned and maybe in the role that he was originally supposed to be in as well, which was a Force-sensitive person? I mm. would really love that. He was robbed of that, and it was The Last Jedi that robbed him of it. <laughs> mm. and, and I think I think it would be great to redeem him in that way as well. Now, inevitably, um, I think the answer is yes, but do you think Grogu shows up in this movie? Um, dollar signs, <laughs> I'll point 
to yes. <laughs> I think the answer is absolutely 100% yes. <laughs> I, I concur. <laughs> All right. And the final film here, finally Lucasfilm heir apparent Dave Filoni will direct a feature film for The Mandalorian, which will tie in and wrap up the live action shows The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and The Book of Boba Fett. How do we think a movie of this proportion will come together? I think this is a very interesting tie-in idea. We're, as fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, used to this, but this is kind of new for Star Wars. They're really just starting to dip their toes into this, and it's got a big job to do, knowing the scope of the shows that are coming out and the shows that have been and the shows that are currently. So I... I really am excited for it. I think it'll be the end of that story too, which in a way makes me really sad because I think the Mm. Mandalorian just breathed such fresh life into Star Wars in a way that I don't think any of us could have possibly predicted. And that's special. And so I'll be sad for that to end, but um, I'm really very excited too for Dave Filoni to get a feature film. It's long overdue. The man is a master story builder, master world builder. He's He's amazing, and I'm I'm so excited for him to get this spotlight, this feature film, on a lot of his creations. Yeah, I haven't really been in on this criticism, but the big criticism of these Disney Plus shows has been this idea of, well, there's just too many side characters that are explored for too long, and why are we in a Boba Fett show, but we're hearing about The Mandalorian, and why are we in The Mandalorian, but we're hearing about Ahsoka? And this reveals that it was always part of the plan. This was always the plan was to bring all these characters together in a crossover event. So I think that's interesting. And uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see it on the big screen. Yeah, this the news for this film coming from Dave Filoni is probably the most surprising of all the news we got to me. It's just a really interesting strategy going from these being series to transitioning to a film. I'm excited for it, but I'm not sure how that's going to translate. Like having become used to spending like, you know, upwards of like eight, to 10 hours with these characters across the season versus versus having that truncated to like a, a two hour, maybe two and a half hour experience. I'm optimistic about it, but uh, just did not see it coming from a mile away. So I'm happy for <laughs> Dave Filoni that he gets this opportunity to play with a big budget and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, for sure. And now it's time for trailers. We got lots of trailers. Fans were delighted with several trailers and exclusive looks at content. The Ahsoka full trailer debuted on the first day of Celebration. Premiering in August, the show follows former Jedi Ahsoka Tano and a crew of Rebels from the animated series Star Wars Rebels as they chase down a new threat, fan-favorite villain Grand Admiral Thawne. Thrawn. rather. This looks to be a big creation with a host of animated characters coming to live action, right? Yes, and I could not be more excited. This is the best Star Wars news ever. Star Wars Rebels is my favorite Star Wars content bar none, and I strongly suggest people go out and watch it. It is animated, but you got to get past that because it does some really amazing story stuff for Star Wars, weird Force stuff that's super cool, and you get all these really rich characters, which we are going to see all of them in live action. I'm so excited. Um, I, I just, I can't even like articulate. I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. was a good trailer too. Like it was, it had it all. I mean, it had a good uh, weaving together of like what to expect and the characters and the looks at the characters. It's very exciting. Yeah, my big takeaway from this trailer was like, oh, I knew I've been needing to watch Rebels, but now I definitely need to watch Rebels. And I knew Mary Elizabeth Winstead had a role 
in this this show, but I was very surprised that she's actually going to be. I believe the character's name is Hera Syndulla, mm-hmm. and she's popped up in the Bad Batch, and I know she was an integral part of Rebels. So uh, Rebels definitely feels like required watching material. But apart from that, the show just looks epic. We used the word you know biblical epic before, but this just looks purely epic, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, this is like going to be Felonia, his feloniest, I feel like, because it's going to be live action. And all of these characters are his creation. And mm. I think that's super, again, that's really special for him to get this this time in the spotlight. He's been doing animated for years, which is amazing. It's all really great stuff, but not everybody watches animated content, as we mm. know, even if they should. And <laughs> so, again, this is exciting for him and the stories that he wants to tell the way he pulls from the Legends material of old Extended Universe Star Wars. And let's not forget that Lars Mikkelsen will be playing Grand Admiral Thrawn. He voices him in Star Wars Rebels, and nobody else could do him justice, I assure you. Yeah, I saw the campaigning from fans for him lobbying to be in the role, and I believe Ashley Eccleston didn't get that chance, but I'm still, you know, Rosaria Dawson's been doing a great job bringing the character to life. But it's it's mm-hmm. awesome when you get to have the person that voiced it and really define that character, uh, get to do it in live action as well. So I'm glad you brought that up too. And one of my favorites out of the slew of content we got out of Star Wars Celebration, Star Wars Visions debuted a trailer. This will be the second season in a series of animated shorts, which are all created by different anime houses throughout the globe. Who's excited about more Star Wars anime? Well, I am. And I think the uh, the big difference uh, for this second volume compared to the first one is it doesn't actually seem to be as much anime. They're really embracing different styles of animation from all different corners of the globe. And one that really stuck out to me is that uh, Ardman, the stop animation studio known for Wallace and Gromit, they're doing their take on Star Wars. And that just looks really, really interesting and incredible. And I, I don't have the information right in front of me, but it also looked like one of the studios was the animation style was very reminiscent of Over the Garden Wall. And that's just a beautiful style, kind of a haunting um, style that harkens back to some of like my favorite animation from when I was growing up, like um, kind of in the the stylings of uh, Gindy Tartakovsky. I will be covering this on Animation Deliberation. Quick plug beforehand. I do like that about it. I like that there's these different types of animation styles across the series and they're tying them all together with this kind of common theme of Star Wars. I think that's really interesting. Very cool look to just give a lot of people that creative power to bring different types of visions. I mean, that's what's called visions, but bring these types of things to life. And maybe providing an avenue for people who aren't used to watching those things a way to watch them and be exposed to them and enjoy something that's still the universe you love and the galaxy far, far away, but in a different art style, I guess. Definitely. Okay, moving on. Though not widely released, a trailer for The Acolyte was shown to those in attendance and has circulated the web in fuzzy form. The series is set during the High Republic timeline about the rise of the dark side and will premiere in 2024. Showrunner Leslie Hedlund Explain the series as Kill Bill meets Frozen. What could that possibly mean? <laughs> I'm just going to choose to ignore that comment because it just like, anno- <laughs> it, it like annoys me, like trying to think about what that means. Uh, but Star Wars is kind of doing something that no other franchise 
has the power to do, which is move in so many different directions at the same time. So you have this core timeline that was established with the original movies, and then you have the kind of the prequels and the sequels, which are right next to them. But then to go off in so many different directions and squeeze movies and shows between all these films, and then to be able to go in the future 15 years, but then also go into the past, you know, several hundred years or whatever to the High Republic, it just opens up this really interesting kind of avenue that this franchise has and seemingly is juggling very well at this point and is well organized. But I think that's just an interesting look at Star Wars, the idea that, yeah, we're going to announce all of these films at the same time. They're all taking place in different places with different characters who are never going to meet each other across completely different timelines and everybody to just kind of be on board with that as a thing. It's just a, uh, it's just different. Not, not, no other franchises can do that type of thing. We also get a lot of the goodies in Star Wars and the focus on the good versus evil. But we don't get a lot of focus on the evil by itself. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what we're going to see in this. So if you're a baddie lover, then I think you're going to really like this show. And the dark side weird force stuff, I think, is going to crop up a lot, which is always pretty fun to watch. I will not ignore the comment. I will address the comment. <laughs> you lost me at Frozen, but you brought me back with Kill Bill. So I honestly have no idea what it means when you combine those two. But um, like has already been mentioned here, I do think the ne'er-do-wells of the Star Wars universe have not gotten as much attention. So had they described this as maybe like Brit- the Breaking Bad of the Star Wars universe, that would have resonated a little bit better with me. I do hope that we have, we get to see the fall of this character. It's called the Acolyte, so they have to be kind of like inducted into the dark side. So if we can see them having the best intentions and that, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, those are the kind of things that I'm hoping to see. But um, yeah, I, I, I think this will be a nice juxtaposition to what we're seeing with James Mangold's Origins of the Force. We get to see the origins of the dark side. Yeah, and it seems like Ahsoka is going to bring a lot of dark side to the conversation, too. Mm. Uh, Just from looking at that trailer, there seem to be like dark side force users that are after her. And Mm -hmm. so I think we're going to see a lot of exploration of that side of the force and trying to kind of frame these people or or these uh, characters as sympathetic uh, in a way, which is kind of when Star Wars is at its best. Certainly, certainly. Okay, and next up we have another animated series. The Bad Batch will return for a third and final season in 2024. Second season of the series had a lot of mixed reviews, but ended on a heartbreaking and tantalizing cliffhanger. Do you think the final season will go out strong? I certainly hope so. I uh, I enjoyed the second season of Bad Batch. It was a little uneven. There were some episodes that kind of felt filler and like, The story didn't really know where it was going or was taking a little bit too much time to get where it was going. So in our discussions on animation deliberation, we kind of came to the conclusion like a tighter story could benefit the show, like reducing the episode count from maybe like 16 episodes to somewhere closer in the neighborhood of 10. I think that would serve the story better. But knowing that this is the final season that, uh, you know, I I would like the show to continue, but knowing that they have an end in sight and aren't going to waste their time getting there, uh, I do not want to address the spoilers of the heartbreaking conclusion to uh, season two, but I am still traumatized by that. I am still processing that. I am still recovering from that, but it is nice to know that we're going to see the return of some characters, including Fennec Shand, who is a badass, and uh, her action scenes in the first season were some of the best moments of Bad Batch, so definitely excited to see her return. 
Yeah, Scotty, you and I need to go to grief counseling together. (laughs) I really enjoyed the second season of Bad Batch. I thought it was all about building up those characters, apparently for us to maybe let them go in this third Mm. and final season. And again, it's it's what makes Star Wars so rich is being able to spend time in the world and get used to things other than the Skywalkers or the things that we know. And I think those are the things that make Bad Batch really important to me. And I just hope we continue to see that even in the final season. I have not seen Bad Batch. Um, I did watch Clone Wars and I liked those characters in Clone Wars, but I'll be interested. I am planning on watching it. So I'll be interested to kind of talk about it again after I've, you know, you guys saw the second season weekly. And so it's this idea of being drawn out, Um, watching it all back to back. I wonder if I'll, if I'll have that same sort of reaction uh, of being able to just move it a little bit faster, but Mm. I am looking forward uh, to watching. I know a lot of people were really into it and thought it was, a really great story. So I do plan on getting there for sure. Okay. Lastly, the live action series skeleton crew received a first look from those in attendance at celebration starring Jude law as a Jedi character. What we know about the series is that it focuses on a group of kids post return of the Jedi said to evoke feelings of Amblin films, such as ET skeleton crew is created and executive produced by director, John Watts, who many will recognize from the Tom Holland, Spider-Man movies. Thoughts on a kid-focused Star Wars live-action show? George Lucas always intended for Star Wars to be for kids, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And we could argue kids of all ages, right? But I think that it's really fun that we're getting something. There's, you know, billions, if not trillions, of kids in the galaxy and in the literature and other stuff you can kind of get into what they're doing. But this whole little show with Jude Law at the forefront of it leading these kids, and we know that he's some kind of a Jedi character. So I think it's really fun. Uh, and I think it'll be a really fun way for maybe some parents to get kids into Star Wars who perhaps haven't before or maybe deep in their love of the saga itself. It's always interesting like when we get these Jedi characters because the idea is that there aren't any. And mm-hmm. so to pull them out, and that's why I think people are so attached to like the the Jedi Survivor video game about, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a canonized story within the Star Wars universe about someone who survived the Order sixty six and everything, and and that sort of idea. People are really drawn to those stories because it does kind of go against what we've known about the Jedi. So the fact that this is set post Return of the Jedi and Jude Law is a Jedi character. That's fascinating to me. Like how far back from return of the Jedi are we going to be? Are we going to be in Luke's kind of Jedi order or are we talking like this is just a person who slipped under the radar during this whole empire phase and they just happen to be a grown up person now. Uh, So I think that'll be a really interesting kind of dynamic to the story. Yeah, I agree with what's been brought up. Uh, I do think John Watts um, involvement is kind of what stands out to me. He stepped away from the Fantastic Four film for the MCU, and this is his next project, so I would have to believe that he'd have to be pretty impassioned about the story that he's going to tell here to make that move. So that's just kind of what I'm, I'm taking away from this. I, not a lot of info has been released about it, but uh, everything you all brought up about the time period, it, you know, my initial reaction to Jude Law after my exposure to his many roles is like, is he actually a Jedi or is he like an imposter or something like that? But <laughs> I, I do kind of believe that it, it seems natural that he would want to transition into, you know, roles that he doesn't get typecast as this duplicitous character. They released a lot of information about new comics and new Star Wars books. So if that's your thing, just keep an eye out, like their socials, because that's the best way to find out about that stuff. You can probably get it from a newsletter, too, if you're a newsletter person in your email 
um, more High Republic, expansion of comics. They do a great job, I think Star Wars does, of building, continuing to build out their world in their literature. I'm starting to really get into it, especially prepping for the Ahsoka show. So check those out if that's your thing. Once upon a time, I was very much into the expanded universe of Star Wars books. But once they said none of that's canon, I was burnt and I'll never go back. I just, <laughs> and now they're I just, like, but some of it is. <laughs> <laughs> Please come back. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In casting news, Donald Glover told GQ that he is currently in talks with Lucasfilm to return as Lando Calrissian. Come back, Donald Glover. He was so good in that role in Solo. I actually liked Solo. I thought it was a great movie, and he was one of the best parts of that to me. Uh, even more relevant to me and even more exciting to me is in that same interview, he said that he would be returning as Troy in Community, which is getting a, uh, a next another season in a movie from... Uh, from Dan Harmon and crew. Mm. So I loved community when it was on, I watched it from the beginning. Uh, it was probably the first like major uh, comedy that I was really into. Mm. So I'm, I'm almost more excited for that than him as Lando, but mm. you know, give me all the Donald Glover. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. I will say getting a seventh season is a betrayal of six seasons in a movie. That's what we always said. <laughs> six season, six seasons in a movie, but now it's seven seasons in a movie. But no, uh, likewise, I that was kind of a standout for me as well. I'd love to see Donald Glover return as Lando Calrissian. I thought he was really great in the role, uh, but the community news definitely excites me as well. And I can't take credit for this, but my hope would be that if Donald Glover gets the opportunity to return as Lando, that they would also take advantage of Billy D. We still have Billy D. Williams around, and maybe they could use him as a framing device, like Lando reminiscing on his days before. Um, I would love to see something like that. Yeah, we could always pick up the storyline from Rise of Skywalker. Sorry if you didn't like it again, um, where he's <laughs> looking for his daughter. Ooh, and that yeah. actually is canonized too in books now in Shadow of the Sith. So that could be part of where they're going with that direction. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that was extremely intentional. Like, I remember sitting in the theater and he said that he's like, well, I guess we got another adventure or something like that. And I was like, well, here comes the Lando spinoff. And then like two weeks later, they were like, Lando series in development. I was like, well, of course there is. So, but we haven't heard anything about it since then. So I guess it, it seems like it's still on in some way. Okay. After all that Star Wars news, turning away from the galaxy far, far away, the Super Mario Brothers animated feature film has completely dominated the box office since it's debut last week, raking in $377 million globally. Maybe people do still want to go to the movies, right? Yeah, I saw this movie on Wednesday of last week, and I think that was a brilliant move based on the numbers we're seeing here. And I have to say, this was the most packed I've seen my theaters post-COVID. Like There were lines around the building for concessions. The theater was pretty packed. And it was a it was a great movie, you know. I think Nintendo I'm surprised they haven't done this sooner. Like Nintendo has such a rich um catalog of characters to pull from and I've kind of heard already the rumors of a Nintendo connected universe and um <laughs> I would definitely like to see that happen. I think there's room for a Luigi's Mansion movie. I uh Jack Black as Bowser was an absolute standout. He killed me and I actually just read recently that uh the song Peaches that he performs in the movie, which had me cackling, is going to be eligible for an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> all that being said, if we are going to get this Nintendo expanded universe, I would like to see Legend of Zelda and Metroid pretty high up on the list in terms of what would be coming out sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I saw this movie too. Um, I took uh, two of my three kids. I have twins that are five years old and they love Mario and they were like losing their minds. They loved it so much. It is a kid's movie. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to go into it and and think like um, if you're if you're going into it and you're expecting like the Pixar experience where like your kids are laughing, but you're having an existential crisis, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you know, it is very linear. It's very paint by numbers. Sure. Uh, it, but it works. Uh, it's gorgeous. I mean, the, the thing is animated like beautifully mm-hmm. uh, and it's fun. The soundtrack is great. Uh, I loved the weird parts of the movie and I wish they would have done stuff like that more like what you mentioned, Jay Scotty with Jack Black. That was just them letting Jack Black be Jack Black. Like yeah. they're just like, well, we're just going to let him be himself as Bowser. But the, but I want to see more of that uh, yeah. in a sequel to this. Like there's that little uh, that little star character that's like in oh, the cage yeah. or whatever. Like <laughs> that character is so out of place in this movie. Like makes no <laughs> sense alongside any of the other characters. But said some of the funniest things in the movie. Sure. And so it's just this weird side character that makes no sense. I was like, man, I, that's what I want more of. I want <laughs> you to explore. I want you to lean into your weirdness a little more yeah. and just kind of own that. I understand why it was safe mm-hmm. and it works clearly and people yeah. love it. Um, and, but I had a good time. I mean, I would encourage people to go see it, especially if you grew up on gaming in the eighties or in the nineties and you played Mario, you will have a good time watching this. And so I'm the loser who didn't grow up doing those things. I just, (laughs) we didn't have video games. My parents just didn't like, they weren't against it. It just like, wasn't kind of the thing that they would have pushed us toward. I was totally a library loser, but (laughs) I love that something that is so beloved Mario the movie's being received so well by its fans. I think that that means you've done an excellent job because this is a property that millions and millions and millions of people are super into and have been their whole life and have gotten their kids into, Jay, like you're saying. And so knowing that they've done such a good job, I think is really heartwarming, honestly, because I know that this is such a core memory for a lot of people. Indeed. All right, as we wind down here... Those still following the Arrowverse on the CW channel are excited that the Green Arrow actor Stephen Amell has returned for the final season of The Flash. Reprising his role as Oliver Queen, the bad boy rich guy turned archer hero, Amell's return to the universe brings a full circle feeling to the end of the long-running TV shows. If you're still watching the CW shows, good for you for sticking with it is what I'm going to say first of all. I couldn't get all the way through them, but I think that this is cool because I know that this character was really... uh, probably the best loved by fans of these shows. I think he embodied everything that Green Arrow is supposed to be for people. And so the crossover episodes with him were really important. And I think it's really touching that they're bringing him back, even though his time on Arrow has ended, Mm. to kind of complete this circle of these huge, um, you know, paradoxical shows that they ended up creating with lots of problems um, (laughs) in the show. (laughs) And, And letting him be kind of like the period on that sentence. Yeah, if this is good news to you, then I love that for you. You know, uh, I haven't watched really any of this, but I know that people that watch it are really into it. And hey, if it's gonna if it's gonna bring your series to a satisfying conclusion, I'm very happy for you. Yeah, he very much is the Tony Stark of the CW verse. So yeah, for him to come back, I think uh, I think it's the right move, and uh, it's encouraging that he. You know, I, I one thing I've heard about those movies from behind the scenes is that the schedule can be pretty grueling. So once they are finally free of their contract, they're kind of ready to move on to other things. So the fact that he had such a good experience that he's willing to come back, I think just kind of speaks to the kind of guy he is. He's, you know, he's been known for his antics in the like wrestling ring and whatnot. And it's just it's 
cool to have somebody that's so in touch with what the fans want and is willing to come back. All right. And you might might have thought that we buried the lead, but we wanted to end on a high note here. The Marvels debuted its first teaser trailer yesterday. The film starring Iman Vellani, Tayona Paris, and Brie Larson is set to hit theaters in November of this year. What is our level of hype for this upcoming MCU film? The highest possible because it totally subverted my expectations. <laughs> We're getting a comedy, like a, mm. a girl pack comedy. I love mm-hmm. that. That looks yeah. so awesome. And they're going to team up and everybody's got their personalities and it looks so funny and fun. And what are the stakes? We don't really know yet. Do mm-hmm. we care? Not at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I loved how much Iman Vellani was at the forefront of this trailer. Um, I absolutely loved Miss Marvel, and I think she was a big part of that. Like, this is her first really big role, and she just has that enthusiasm and that excitement. And to have such a young performer really be at the forefront, I, I, yeah, I was not expecting to get so much of her. And it seems like her chemistry with both Brie Larson and Tayona Paris is going to be awesome and uh, i'm really excited that this is coming from nia da costa uh she did the recent Candyman film which i thought was great so to see her get to flex some different muscles and get to play with a big budget in the marvel universe I, i'm excited to see more of this one when this trailer uh when i played it for the first time i was like are they playing the beastie boys right now oh yeah i was like, <laughs> I was like this is kind of awesome and yeah. uh yeah this trailer just set the stage and it set it up for what it's gonna be and it gave off the tone of like what this movie is supposed to like what this movie is going to try to aim for. And uh, to me, that's what a good trailer should do is it should convey the tone of the movie. Um, I do think it's interesting. This idea that is kind of played within the trailer that these three are somehow connected across this, this universe and that they're exchanging places and they don't really know how to control their exchanging of places. I think that's kind of an interesting subplot that it's obviously going to be expanded, but um, to me, I guess I didn't really know what to expect, but that kind of bringing all these characters together, I think that's an interesting direction to take uh, this, this story. All right. Well, this has been quite the packed episode. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, please let us know what you're thinking about all of these wonderful announcements and continue to support the show with ratings and reviews. And let's let the people know what we have going on on our other respective shows. Haley. Yes, you can find me and Brian V. Klein breaking down comics and novels on Source Pages, a reading collective podcast. We just uh, wrapped up some Secret Wars coverage. We're not done. We just scraped the tip of the iceberg, but we're going to pivot now to some Guardians of the Galaxy coverage, and we're super excited for that. You can find us anywhere, and we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wonderful. How about you, Jay? Uh, I'm a co-host of a show called Commute the Podcast, which is a weekly 20-minute show that comes out on Mondays. It's an educational show that covers uh, three interesting topics. Um, and uh, we're, we're weekly. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and we're on all the social media or all of the podcast streaming platforms. So come hang out with us and learn something new. Great. And as for myself, I'm one of the hosts of Animation Deliberation. We are the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. So it is a wonderful time to be a fan of animated content. Please join us there and jump in on the discussion. And on behalf of Matt, I will say go to strandedpanda.com. Check out the huge family of shows that uh, we have going on there. He built this network, and uh, we appreciate him for it and show him some love and support. Thank you all. You stay classy, multiverse.